Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace. Kane, Chain, and Nelly back with you again. Today we are bringing on a good friend of ours. Uh, we're bringing on Felix at Sharp Review on Twitter. Um, you might know him as, you know, one of the guys that helped found Campus to Canton. Um, one of the sites that I believe all three of us, um, you know, have subscriptions to, at least I believe Nelly does. If not, he's a loser. Um, he doesn't. Oh, what a loser. You should. Um, but but uh, we, we enjoy Campus Kent. We enjoy all of the uh, the guys that work over there. Um, we They're just great people. So make sure you check that out. Um, you know, maybe you were uh, selected to get a free month of their, uh, of their package over there um, by me. So if you were congrats on that um but make sure you you go support what they're doing um we're gonna be talking a lot of c2c stuff today we're gonna be talking not just c2c but kind of you know how how freshmen fit into that c2c landscape how rookies fit into the c2c landscape just overall and kind of trying to understand how all of that kind of works together um so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today um we got our good friend felix on the show felix how you doing buddy Gentlemen, I appreciate you having me, uh, Michael. It's good seeing you also. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm glad that you all invited me back because Shane, when I when I came here the last time, I sang the rank rule, the wrong theme song. So I uh, cried a little bit. It was I'm it was just, hard. Uh, it was hard. No, you, you, it was glad great. to be here. Yeah. <laughs> now we're we're excited to have you. Um, but I know, I know, Felix. I know that you you cook, right? Um, oh yeah, you've been, I love yeah, you've been known to cook, um, Shane. Yeah. I know that you enjoy cooking. Nelly, he just has terrible taste. That we we kind of found that out. Um, I just have to admit something, and I made a cooking mistake last night. So that's on me. I wasn't really paying attention. I was reading a recipe, um, and I didn't realize that the recipe just isn't going to give you the food that you want, right? Um, people listening to this, if you know how to make a roux. Right. It's a really important thing for food. Right. Because it can help thicken really great food like one of my favorite foods, mac and cheese. Um, So last night, my wife and I made from scratch cheeseburger mac and cheese. Like it was pretty good. Um, But the recipe sets you up to fail. And here's why. (laughs) Right. They tell you about five tablespoons of flour, but they only tell you that you can use about three tablespoons of butter. See, there's the issue already, right? It's not enough butter to absorb <laughs> five tablespoons of flour, right? And I'm just cooking this like not paying attention. You know, it's Sunday night. I don't need to think. Um, and then I look down and my pot is just all clumps. And I was like, all right, cool. So I have to do this over again. Uh, don't worry. We rectified it. 
right? We did the even, the even Steven, as I call it. Um, you know, the five tablespoons of flour, five tablespoons of butter, nothing that a little more butter couldn't fix. Um, sure. But we got it. Uh, but I just had to come out and let people know that even though I love cooking and I'd like to think I'm a good cook, I messed up. That was yeah, very brave uh, of you. Thank you. Trying new things. My my, my uh, macaroni and cheese recipe does not call for a roux, so uh, I'll really? have to look, look that one up. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I like me either, <laughs> but I like roux, making roux, but it's not. Yeah, so I I usually if I'm depends how creamy I want the mac and cheese to be, obviously, but then I sometimes I'll do half and half. Sometimes I'll just do regular milk, depending on kind of how thick you want it to be, and then just you know fold in the cheese then. Um, after it cooks a little bit, but um, that's what I made last night, but I had to own up to that mistake. Um, I know we've talked about cooking on the show before and uh, I goofed. I trusted someone shouldn't have trusted. Um, I don't know who it was, but uh, she, I got beef with her. I, not I, just the I bet you didn't there. read that long thing before the recipe that you got to read the story. That's how you know, if you could trust. <laughs> I barely Somebody read the instructions. <laughs> The story about somebody's life before the recipe. <laughs> before the recipe. Every, time. Every time. I like how the recipe is like three steps, but the story <laughs> is a full 12 minute read. Like it's pages. If you printed that sucker out, you'd have probably 10 pages that you have to like comb through. It's like the back of some children's books. It's longer than the actual, you know, the narration of the words yeah. of some of these books. So, yeah. But uh, I just had to own up to that first. Now let's dive into uh, some C2C stuff. Um, so I think, especially as we're getting close to the NFL draft, right? Um, one topic that is constantly going to come up over and over and over again, not just in C2C, but just in Dynasty Leagues, Devi Leagues as a whole, right? Is where do we value these rookies, right? That, that's a conversation that, that we have every day, depending on the year right every year we have the same conversation not just before the draft but then after the draft once we have landing spots and trying to figure out where these rookies should actually be valued um but i think things get even more difficult right when you're adding in a college side right because not only is is the uh, college side meant to bring players to your team but you can have a completely different strategy on the college side that might not produce as many players to take shots on in the NFL, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, Felix, how do you kind of combat that, right? Because we, we, we talk a lot how, you know, especially if the pot is split, that maybe you want a really, really good college team that can produce for a few years um, and kind of keep churning out those really, really good CFF producers. Um, but how do you kind of combat that with also trying to be competitive on the NFL side, knowing that you can get some guys in the NFL that are competitive for a longer time span than college guys. Yeah. Well, if I, I think I understand the question is essentially how to draft to build the pipeline for my team. And for the first, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 rounds. Those are the shots that I'm taking. Now, some of those players might have dual CFF ability and be potential draft picks. You think about Matt Corral in this class, the number one quarterback in CFF last year. Bryce Young the same way. Uh, Carson Strong, who according to Nelly is not going to be a first round draft pick, but still scoring 30 points um, on the college side 
for you on uh, on the college side for campus to Canton League. So I think I mean I we Kane, you and I are in a draft right now. My first couple yep. of picks: Caleb Williams, Josh Downs, JoJo Earl, um, Marvin Harrison. You know, these are all guys that I'm that I'm hoping become NFL draft picks. And it's right. funny because we've just kind of seen a changing of the guard in college football where, you know, we have Bryce Young and CJ Stroud as names, but there's a lot of unknowns. Like if you look at our rankings at campus to can after those four guys, you look at the next quarterbacks, it's all guys who haven't played. It's the freshman, it's Drew Aller, it's um, uh, Quinn Ewers who hasn't played. It's a lot of unknown. And uh, that's one thing I love about college football is it is a constant cycle of the unknown because these rosters are always churning over. So I think I'm answering your question is, is like, yeah, in the first 10, 15 rounds or so, I'm trying to project guys to the NFL. And even later than that, when I get the, the folks that I think are going to be CFF guys, I'm drafting a running back that's six foot, 215 pounds and looks to run a sub four five. Well, I think that guy has, a case, a guy that you like, Kane, Gavin Williams, who's going to replace Tyler Goodson uh, there at Iowa. Yeah. So I think that that's always like in the back of my mind. Like, is this guy, does he have the potential? Does he have the size and the, you know, does he check some boxes to be an NFL player? It's easy to kind of do that at, at running back. So even if, even after I get after, even after round 10, 15, I think I'm still looking for, those players to check one or two of those boxes, whether it be speed, build, frame, you know, arm talent, whatever, whatever, or opportunity to play. I'm still looking for those players to check some boxes to be potential NFL players on the, um, you know, when I'm drafting late in, in the college side of, of campus to Canton startup. So I don't even know if I answered your question, but yeah, I, I, I think you did. Cause I know Shane and I've been having a conversation lately, especially in the, uh, Debbie Marketplace chat, right? Shane, where you're like, well, this year in the supplementals, well, I'm just going to maybe take a freshman or two. That's good. And then just completely drafting CFF potential after that. Right. And do you think in, in that way, you kind of, Shane, potentially miss out on some, some good assets that, that could be there that are freshmen that you could have been drafting around three, round four, round five? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? And for people that don't know, you know, Campus to Canton is the kind of a two-sided league, right? You have the normal NFL side, but you have the college fantasy side, and then those players move up. And so if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of try that this year, Felix. I, I want to get your feedback, too, because I think, obviously, you know, the high-end guys, the Nick Singletons, the, the you know, I, I'm going to draft if they're there. But – I almost feel like from my end, maybe it, maybe it's – I'm not good enough to know when I get to the third, fourth round of a supplemental draft who – which four-star receiver is going to be the guy. And I'm going to miss out. Like Kane, Kane said, you're right. I'm going to miss out on not – you know, I'm not going to – I would never have gotten Keyshawn Butte. He, you know, he was, he was drafted as a freshman. I'm never going to get that guy. But I think we also see some college producers, that a guy like Calvin Austin, who was definitely a pure kind of CFF guy now, might be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. So, you know, do you think that is a viable strategy? Is that something that's going to bite me? Like my NFL team is never going to be good if, if, I, if I go this direction. That, that's definitely a fear I have. But, I, you know, I don't know if that approach could be, could, you know, could work out. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that C2C leagues are so relatively new that we don't have enough of a history to see what teams look like three, four, or five years down the road drafting with any particular strategy. Like, it's hard to say. And Shane, I like that strategy, but it's just like, where are we drawing that line to say, all right, we're going to just go for CFF value hereafter? Because, you know, a guy like Matthew Golden, a four star wide receiver who we're really high on is going to Houston. Houston's moving up to the big 12 after this season or some, but just a, a guy who looks like an NFL wide receiver and then performs well in the spring game, you know, you might get him in the third or fourth round of, of a supplemental draft. So, I mean, it's just, I think in every freshman class, there is a number of guys that based on situation, based on the ability that they have coming into um, college and then, you know, that college's history or potential to develop that player, I think that we can put a bunch of kids in a group that said, all right, these kids have the potential. And then thereafter, yeah, go after your CFF guys. Go get the running back from San Diego State University or, you know, the the, the MAC uh, running back who's going to have 200 yards on a Tuesday night game. Go get those guys. But I'm still looking for, you know, who's Ryan Day's next quarterback? Who's – Steve Sarkeesian's next quarterback. Who's uh, Billy Napier's running back? Like, I still want those guys who I, I, who's who's uh, Paul Chris running back. You know, um, I want I still want those guys because you know historically they've been NFL players. Nelly, you got thoughts? You got CFF thoughts here? Well, I love the point that Felix made about it just being it being so new, right? So there's so much part of what's so fun about a a campus to Canton league is like, you're kind of blazing your own path. Like there's not like a guide to play. Like you can Google how to get started in a dynasty league and thousands of, of articles come up and you can kind of follow guidelines and, and kind of be led down that road with, with campus to Canton. It's so much newer. And so there are ways to get edges that other people aren't doing And all you have to do is kind of like just explore a little bit, right? Like it's, there's, what's so cool is the standard league has 45 rounds on, on the college side. That's 45 guys on your roster. So you don't have to full, like go all in on, on college fantasy football guys. You don't have to go all in on freshmen or Debbie guys. You can do a little bit of both. And, um, and then even when it comes down to like strategically between, between college and NFL, right? Like you can tank one side if, if you're so inclined to go all in on the other side, if you want to, there's just, there's so many strategies. Now I I don't feel as though like I can give advice on the good strategies because I, I don't know, like I'm still exploring them just like all of you guys are as well. But I think I just, I wanted to pitch the fact that like, that's why these leagues are so fun because you can kind of find your own path through it. Speaking of taking one side, there was there was a my best C2C roster. I've got like DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, DK Metcalf, TJ Hawkinson, um, JK Dobbins, like all of these guys. But the, the first year I did not draft a quarterback on the NFL side. But I had uh, so I ended up but I had I had Justin uh, Justin Fields. I got the first pick so I could take uh Trey Lance, and then I had Zach Wilson also. I mean, I think that that team, I need one of those guys to actually do something in the NFL, but it's just a strong considering the first season on the NFL side. Had literally, my only quarterback, God rest his soul, was Dwayne Haskins. 
that was it. So um, when you build these teams together, you could you could really build some monsters if you're planning. I don't plan that that well for each team, but you can build some monsters. I think one plan you might want to avoid is just drafting like gopher wide receivers for the next couple of years. Like I, I think just overall, if you're if you're looking for like, oh, should I draft that player and it's a gopher wide receiver? Probably not. I think just overall, like just kind of stay stay away for a little bit. Like because you'll have people like me, like and maybe like the two other gopher fans that might play C2C leagues that will just draft all of them for you and then you can just avoid the landmines later. Um, because you know, in, in the league that, that Felix Nelly and I are in, when we start hitting like late thirties, early forties, I'm going to be drafting just about every gopher I know at that point. Cause it's like, who else do I know? Well, I know this guy. So we'll just go with him. I was so high on Dan Jackson. I mean, he had a good athletic background and kind of was okay as a freshman in that COVID shortened 2020 season. And then last year just didn't do anything. And PJ Flex system, he gets those slot wide receivers open on these double moves. And I thought that that was going to be Daniel Jackson, but I I think so. I think if Daniel Jackson has a redemption season, it has to be this season, right? If you just look back at right, we have Kirk Sharaka coming back as the offensive coordinator, um, the best season that the Gophers ever had, right in 2019. Um, where they started 7-0, and beat Penn State in the seventh game. I was at that game. It was, it was a blast. We rushed the field. The first time we've been able to do that in years. That might actually be the first time that we rushed the field because we beat a ranked opponent at TCF Bank Stadium. Right? If, you, if the one other Gopher fan that listens to this, let me know <laughs> if, my, uh, if my knowledge is correct there. Um, but I think this is the best season we have if Daniel Jackson is going to produce, right? Kirk Sharaka had two great wide receivers in 2019 that were both producing, right? We had Tyler Johnson and we had, um, and Bateman. So I think if, if we have a shot for Daniel Jackson has to be with Kirk Sharaka this season, um, which somehow Tanner Morgan, 20, what? 35 year old Tanner Morgan, uh, still at quarterback for the Gophers. So, uh, I think it's, it brings up a good uh, it brings up a good point because the slot receiver in that uh, in that Minnesota offense is very very productive. So Daniel Jackson got that position, just wasn't productive last year. But it campus to camp leagues really force you to pay attention to coaches' system. So everybody's like trying to figure out who Zach Kitley's quarterback is going to be down in Texas Tech because that whoever that is is going to score a lot of points. Whoever their slot receiver is. I think I think you're the one who drafted Miles Price, and I was about to take him, and uh, that's going to be shout Miles shout Price out shout out Mike on that one. Oh. Uh, I, I was talking Mike to Mike. Mike the, yeah, I was talking to yeah. him in the DMs. Yeah, of he goes, course. "Hey, I, I saw your draft. Draft Miles Price." I was like, "All right, I'll I was trade like, up for him." I was like, "Son of a bitch! Like, who is <laughs> where is he getting this intel from?" But you think about Phil Longo at North Carolina, his slot wide receivers. You think about. Um, uh, uh, Billy Napier in Florida at Louisiana. They always used uh, a committee of backs, but several of them, several of them are in the NFL. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, uh, Raymond Calais. So, I mean, you can kind of follow the money, so to speak, with these coaches and figure out who are going, who's going to be the productive player. Lincoln Riley, their quarterback. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so Jeff, Jeff, what's that? Jeff Collins? 
is Jeff Collins the offensive coordinator? I can't remember Jeff, the offensive coordinator at BYU for Zach Wilson, who's now at Baylor. I think it's Jeff Collins. His running backs, very productive in that wide zone scheme. Well, who's their running back there at Baylor this year? Tay McWilliams. Who's, whose roster is he on? He's on mine. So, um, you know, so <laughs> but you, you, you got to you pay attention to these coaches' systems, and that's when you really get into the detail and you're able to hit, Shane, on some of those CFF guys because – you know, I've learned from like Kyle Francis and Mike Bainbridge and and CFF Jared uh, with Campus to Canton that you really pay attention to the players or the positions. It's really the office, like the positions that have been historically successful in these coaches' systems. Let me ask this question, and Felix, you can jump in. Nelly, maybe you can jump in too because I know you've talked about it on the Discord that we have. Uh, kind, of, kind of two questions. One, how do you feel about players that are making the jump from FCS or lower – up like a Cameron Ward, right? These players that are making the jump, you know, we saw Bailey Zappi last year. And then what about the players going from G5 to Power 5 receivers? We've had a lot, Kanata Mumfield and Jacob Cowing that produce, but now they're moving up. You know, how, how do you value, do we value them more because they might be, you know, um, Debbie assets now they're in the Power 5 or does that take a hit? Like, I think that's a tough, tough question too. Nelly, you first. Nelly. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't have an answer for you, which is kind of scary, right? Because this whole transfer portal kind of um, situation that we have where guys can transfer uh, instantly, it's it's bred kind of a, a, a more fluid kind of market in college football where guys are moving and they don't have to sit out a year. So it encourages it, right? So so we don't know. We don't really have precedence. Um, so it, it really depends on cost. I mean, like these guys are really good producers at a G five school. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a good freshman coming into a good school. Um, but instead of them being good in high school, it's them being good at a, at a lower college level. Um, but it also, you take on that risk because I don't know, was Jacob Cowling just good because he was going up against defenders at like, at, like in, um, conference USA, right? Yeah. I think it's conference USA. Um, I don't know. Like, I probably would not draft them at their current cost because of that, but I, I really like them. And it's a really intriguing question because I think that's when um, film watchers can kind of come in and say, Hey, like these traits, these traits translate from these lower levels to these higher levels. Yeah. I think that that's exactly it because no matter what brand of football you're playing, whether it's high school uh, the FCS level, the FBS level. There are some things that you can just see. When a quarterback throws a 30-yard opposite hash out, doesn't really matter what level of football that is, that shows you NFL-level arm strength. When you have a uh, wide receiver run, you've got him clocked at 22 miles per hour. That's NFL-level speed. I mean, you brought up – and then, like, the quick tw- the quick twitch ability uh, – Shane, you brought up a couple of players that are just like that. I'm really excited about. You brought up Kanate Mumfield, um, Jacob Cowing, and Cameron Ward. We can talk about all of their situations. Jacob Cowing, high school tested at a 21.7 miles per hour. I mean, that is, we're talking about elite speed in high school. So far in college, we've got them um, timed at 20.5. All but like if you get to that 21 mile an hour threshold like that, you're really moving. Kanate Mumfield, 
He exists on that Deontay Johnson spectrum, not going to blow you off, but has the quick twitch ability to get open. We saw that at Akron. We, we saw that in the spring game uh, with Pittsburgh. He was in man-to-man on a zero-cover scheme on some post and got 10 yards of separation. on. I don't care. I don't care what level of football you're playing. You get 10 yards of separation on somebody, you're doing something right. Um, the interesting one is Cameron Ward. I love Cameron Ward's story coming from Incarnate Ward. He's going to Washington State. Washington State trying to return to their um, air raid roots under Mike Leach. So they bring in Eric Morris, the head coach at uh, Incarnate Ward. Who are Eric Morris's influences? Well, one, Mike Leach. He was an assistant at Washington State. And one, Cliff Kingsbury. He was uh, on the offensive staff there when – Patrick Mahomes is at Texas Tech. That's the offense that Cameron Ward played in uh, there, and I think that's in San Antonio. I think Incarnate Ward is there, and that's what he's going to be playing in at Washington State. So you have a match there between you know player, system, opportunity. He's going to be able to make all of these throws to show NFL scouts that he is a potential NFL talent. So he's in the offense to do it. Yeah, I mean, his price is sky high, but so would like any quarterback who has might have an NFL skill set who's going to be playing in an air raid offense in a campus to Canton League. It's just it's like whoever holds that offense. That, that's why we're all trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback in Texas Tech, because it's, it's an air raid offense scores a lot of points. So, no, I agree with you, Nelly. The, it, because these guys are moving up a level there's a lot of excitement surrounding them but I think it's I mean I think it's justified I think it's justified for all three for Ward for Mumfield for Cowing I like all of these guys I mean I think I Cowing reminds me of Elijah Moore he does Kanate I've already said Kanate Mumfield exists on that Deontay Johnson I'm not saying that he's an NFL player but for Kanate I think Jacob Cowing is I'm not sure about Kanate yet um but you can like you can see quick twitch separation ability on film. You can see it. I mean, it's, it's something I think that G. Scott had going to Ohio State coming out of um, uh, from Washington State. I think that's where. Yeah, Seattle, Washington State. You know, you can see this ability on tape. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to wrap that up. But like, I think that you take each individual case and kind of ass- assess it separately. Like I'm trying to think of a bad landing spot. For a transfer, like not all of them get Minnesota. touted this way, but what about well, Isaiah right. Nayer to Texas? He's playing well. He's playing well in the spring. I, he's playing well in the spring. They're talking about him being the one A or one B with Xavier Worthy. You're talking about a long, rangy wide receiver who has excellent ball skills, who can pluck the ball out of the air. Doesn't have elite speed, but like you're talking about another guy there that you know could potentially make a name for himself this year and make the jump to the NFL. I, I think what about example, the South Carolina for, guys like lower volume, like Corey Rucker, uh, uh, Antoine Wells, something like that, where that's like a tougher situation where you're not going to get college fantasy football value from them. See, that's a bad, that's a bad situation as far as travel. I think that Spencer Rattler might be just a strong armed Alex Smith because I watched that spring game and boy, was he checking the ball down. Like I'm like, dang, he is not challenging himself at all as far as throws, but Antoine Wells transferring over from James Madison and Corey Rucker transferring over from Arkansas state. 
I mean, I I never got the impression that any of those guys. I've only watched – I've watched more of Rucker, less of Antoine Wells. Um, and Wells was like the number one target there for Rattler of whatever that's worth, which is nothing. But I don't – that's a good point because I think that looking at those two guys, I don't necessarily see NFL talent like just jump jump out at me with either one of those guys. So And the situation's not great. Like, I don't think that the situation – they're going to run – they're still going to run the ball there at South Carolina. Yeah, I think another example of that, right, last year when, like, Samori Toure went to, like, Nebraska. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not a great landing spot. But as you, as you were talking, Felix, kind of three things came up into my mind. The first is, like, you ever – when someone says where someone went to college, like a football player went to college, and you're like – that still seems weird to me. Like Patrick Mahomes going to Texas Tech will always seem weird to me. Like probably from here to eternity, right? People will like. I realize that he went to Texas Tech, right? I know that, but like someone says it, and I'm like, God, that doesn't seem right. You know, like, like it just Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch on the same team. It, it like you know some of those things just don't click, right? It it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah so that always uh, gets me. The second thing, like. With a good recruit going to a G5 team, especially with the new kind of transfer rules, I'm not as worried as kind of as I would have been before the transfer rules were kind of put in place, right? So if if a good player is going to a G5 school, like a Terrence Gibbs, um, going to what Georgia State, I think Georgia State, yeah, like I'm not worried about that as much as I would be would have been before right because the the opportunities for someone to play well there and and to kind of transfer up is is truly boundless um like yeah. it, it's so much easier now um and then the the third thing that that you kind of brought up you brought up spring games a little bit and i just like we have to talk about it a little bit right because spring games just happened um mm-hmm. the first thing that we that i have to talk about like is do they matter right just overall an overarching like does a spring game actually matter for for players just in general yeah it's because i saw this argument on twitter but i think it was like from a cff perspective uh burning the red shirt podcast they 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 asked this question on their twitter poll and i said um it absolutely matters to see who is playing with it. I played him two spring games, you know, I mean, yes, it, it does matter if you're on third team and not, not second team. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I think it, I think it absolutely matters to, to see who the coaches are giving time to develop. Coaches do not waste practice time. I told this story on Debbie debate. When I was at Grand Valley state, our starting quarterback was Cullen Finnerty, very good player. The backup quarterback was Jeff Dock. Jeff was like somebody – coaches don't respect anybody. All the coaches respected Jeff. He was essentially a coach on the field, you know, a guy who was going to be like a doctor or a head coach when when he was done with college and done done playing. Cullen Cullen would get – if you went through the weeks and we had 100 reps, Cullen would get 97% of the reps. Jeff would get like like three plays – or maybe one play every day at practice. Like coaches just don't spend time. They just don't spend time developing players who they don't think are going to contribute. 
So, yeah, I'm looking to see, you know, is G. Scott the starting tight end with the ones there at Ohio State? Okay, he is. Like, is is uh, Anthony Richardson splitting time with Jack Miller? Nope, he's not. Like, I'm. you got to check some of these boxes. I mean, uh, JoJo Earl, player that we're all high on, you know, is he the starting slot wide receiver of these splitting time? Like, is he out there with the ones? Yeah, I think that that absolutely matters. Now, the performances – I mean, like I I was not I didn't get all jacked up on a Jai Hall last year when he had the two contested catches over everyone. But you do want to see what these players look like on a field with other collegiate players, and you do want to see that you've projected them right. Like if you project, you know, Devin Brown at Ohio State to be a good player, you want to see that he when he gets on a college field, that he looks like he belongs there. Same with Drew Aller or Nicholas Nicholas Singleton that you mentioned. I mean, you want to see that they look like they, the size and the skill set to be on that field and like they belong. So the, the answer for me is emphatically yes, that it matters in any number of different ways. It absolutely matters. I mean, practice, it that, that matters. And it matters because the coaches, again, don't spend time developing players that they don't think are going to contribute. But the stats themselves, right, they don't matter as much as just if they're on the no. field. No, no, no. I don't think the stats the stats matter really at all it's kind of like yeah just putting good tape on on film sure shane you got thoughts yeah no i i think that's a really good point um because i think people just like we do with debbie or we do with fantasy football and you can get too crazy about something and you can get too into it and you see a highlight here and a highlight there and start to make that happen but Ultimately, you want guys that are going to play. Um, I think that's a key thing that, I don't know, sounds stupid, I guess. But, like, you know, I, I don't know if you run into this, Felix, but, like, there, there are guys that I like. They're freshmen that I watched a high school film. I'm like, this guy's good, and then doesn't get on the field, and then doesn't get on the field. But, like, I, I, he's, he's good, right? You know, and then you just hold on to it. It's like, do you – do you have to let go a little quicker in C2C? Do you have to be a little more willing to let go? Or is, you know, it, it, it is because the roster's so deep, hey, you can you can hang on to someone like, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Aguia Hall, you know, that maybe you loved, but like what's going to happen now kind of deal. I think, I think this is the do you like Julian Fleming question. Do you like Julian Fleming is basically what he's asking. <laughs> I did like Julian Fleming coming out. I'm not going to say that I didn't, but I mean, at this point, you kind of got to let it go. I mean, he's got three guys, at least, or he's got two guys that are that seem to be clearly ahead of him, and um, uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Marvin Harrison. And the question is, is is Emeka Abuka going to play outside, is or is he going to be the slot receiver there, backing up Jackson Smith and Jigba? So. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I'm letting go of Julian Fleming. I tried to trade Julian Fleming to our friend Skip Newton um, for Troy Murray last year, and he wouldn't. He was not budging. Now Troy Murray's not playing because he's not healthy. I think it depends, Shane. It depends on why that player has not played. And uh, I mean, yeah, it could. Is it injury related? Is it just not getting on the field? You know, I mean, I think people, some people were hanging on to like Javon Baker, like just holding on to it, an Alabama wide receiver, hoping that they would pop. You know, now he's at K- Kentucky. So, uh, you know, is he going to play well? Somebody like Wandell Robinson. Like, I think you could see Wandell Robinson's ability 
at Nebraska. This is like, well, Nebraska's terrible. I mean, I I wouldn't have expected him expected him to have the season that he did at Kentucky, but I mean, you still see flashes of of this um this uh this uh uh talent that they might have if, if they're ever deployed as a starter. I want to just one callback of that that story about uh, Cullen and and Jeff Doc. I used that to support my opinion that the coaches at Iowa State think that Hunter Deckers is really good because in the two biggest games that Iowa – remember, Iowa was like undefeated for much of this. They were playing in very big games. In the two biggest games, one against – I think one was against Penn State and the other was against Iowa State or Oklahoma late in the season. They pulled uh, Brock Purdy out of the game. Brock Purdy, a four-year starter there at Iowa State. If the coaches are pulling out – so that Hunter Deckers can give them a spark. To me, that means that Hunter Deckers wasn't getting three snaps a game in practice. He might have been get, getting 20 or 30 snaps if they actually thought that he was prepared enough to go into the game. So um, I'm kind of rambling here, but but I wanted to call that back to, uh, you know, to give Hunter Deckers some love. <laughs> I think that Gopher game was a big game too, Felix. Against Iowa State, just against Iowa. I just want to talk about how the Gophers also matter. Just about anyone, like I'll, you know, Gophers That's matter the six, too. Sixth Gopher drop in this episode. Listen, I won't need some Trace, Trace and Potts. We had a conversation about him last year. I'm like, they got this dude returning punch. You telling me he's not good? Like he, they're trying to get him on the field. They got him lining up at the slot wide receiver and turn returning punts, and he is good. Yeah, I, I, I. I obviously, you know, I know Felix and I, we kind of talked about this um, at one point, kind of when the injury happened to Trace and Potts and like, because you had asked me like if I had heard anything, you know, what the injury was, right? Um, and I'll say the same thing. I think I probably said it on the podcast then is like, I, I have heard rumblings of what it could be, right? But since those matters are really, really serious, like I'm not going to speculate on, on those things. Um, but the good news is like, Reports are saying that he's back at practice. Um, he's not in contact yet, um, but he's back at practice. And that's a really, really good sign. Um, kind of, some of the things that I were hearing, I was hearing were really, really serious medical stuff. So like big ups for him just to return, just side note. But like it's, it's important for him to like be back at practice um, after, after that. Good player. Good player, a player that I like. I mean, they're in college football player that I really like. Well, and I, I think the the transfers, right? But with um, Bucky Irving and with Kai Thomas transferring, that kind of tells you that is his name Trace Bucky. Thomas, yeah, Marquis Irving's Bucky. name is Bucky. Okay. Uh, yeah, his nickname is Bucky, and they tried to change that to Bucko while they were there because obviously, right? Wisconsin's mascot is Bucky. Um, and they're like, no, I've been called Bucky since I was like four, um, or whenever that was, so they continued to call him Bucky, but yeah, him tra- transferring and Kai Thomas transferring basically tells you that Trayson Potts is expected to play this season. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that it tells you is that the Gophers really like Zach Evans. Who's up there for spring right now. Um, so Writing this that's, name down. that's the other thing that I can tell you is a high three-star guy. Um, that the Gophers had their eye on for a while. Um, 
Mm. So, mm. so take that mm. as you want, but I'm pretty excited. Um, cause I, he's, he's on campus right now. So and we'll see. Oh, is he's not, he's a, he is a freshman or in next. The, wait, Zach this, Evans. This, yep. We also have a Zach Evans. Yep. So he, he, uh, wait. enrolled this spring. Okay. He's a freshman then. Yep. He enrolled early. He was a high three-star guy, I think, from Texas. This is why I love Campus to Canton Leaves because I like hearing names that I have not heard before and going to look up their huddle tape, going to look up their – see if I can find measurables. And then I'll take credit for discovering them when FFI inevitably find that I like them. That's the way to go. Leave you out of the, I'll leave you out of the equation out there, Kane. Yeah, Felix is going to turn into the gopher guy. <laughs> All of a sudden, overnight. I love it. Um, but but uh, any other C two C tidbits that that we uh, kind of need to talk about before uh, Shane kind of teaches us something? I mean, we can go on and on. So yeah, that's p- also part of the problem, right? Once you bring up one topic, it's about half an hour. I just think that people keep asking for more football. Like you got these spring leagues if you want more football play in campus to canton leagues and think about it this way like the storylines in the usfl they don't like jordan tiamo's nfl dream is over but it it matters who wins the the backup job between kyle mccord and devin brown because those guys still see themselves as nfl players like i mean it's all this matters for who becomes, you know, the stars of tomorrow. That's what really what we're trying to find. So if you want more football and football that matters, come try Campus to Can. I mean, you 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 really would love it. And quite frankly, I think that every year I play, the pool of players seems smaller, like the players that I should know. Um, but they're still like you just gave me a name that I never heard before. Let me talk about a lot of players, and now I get to go spend the rest of this evening. We're recording this at two o'clock in the morning, by the way. <laughs> you know, and, and and look at this guy, I love it. All right, well, Shane, you want to teach us something before we go into our buy, sells, and unknown stocks here? I, I will. Uh, I, you know, I always like to bring up ways that history has changed and how we figure out new things about it. Uh, so in 323 BC, Alexander the Great was actually buried alive. And we just recently found this out, uh, right? One of, one of the, the greatest conquerors of the world. Um, he like got really sick um, and got a, a fever and um, doctors couldn't see his breathing. So after he didn't move for like six days, so his soldiers buried him, had a whole thing. And in 2019, they um, tested him, took down the symptoms, and doctors said, yeah, he was probably alive, um, that he likely had um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is, you know, had all the earmarks. He had abdominal pain, then fever, lost his muscle ability. It's basically an autoimmune disorder that uh, damages nerves and can paralyze you, but is treatable, and he could have recovered, but they buried him alive because they couldn't see him breathing. So, you know, there, there you go. Dictator. Boom. Just done. That's one of my biggest fears, too. 
just getting buried alive like that. That'd be pretty bad. So I figured I'd bring that one up. I have a new nightmare for tonight. So that's <laughs> exciting. Um, I don't have to cycle through the old ones. Um, so let, let's go to, into our buys and sells here. Our sells here. Um, you know, I'm, I geared mine towards C2C um, because we were talking about it today. Um, a guy that I'm buying, and this is really late in, in C2C drafts, and actually someone that I just drafted in the league that, that Felix and Nelly and I are in together, um, and that's Brad Roberts. Now, might not mean anything to some of you, but uh, to me, he is the starting running back at Air Force. Um, and Air Force runs the ball a lot. Uh, just last season, he had 299 rushing attempts for 1,356 yards and 13 touchdowns. Granted, zero receptions. But they're just going to run the ball, and he's going to do a lot of it. Um, so he's he's a guy that that I'm bank, especially if you need kind of that really late, um, you know, that late running back that you've drafted a lot of dart throws at the running back position and need someone to score you points somewhere. He's going to do it for you. Um, now, I'm going to go to my unknowns because I think this is one of the biggest unknowns I probably have just overall. And it's the wide receivers at the University of Miami. It's just... I don't know who is going to be that guy. Like I, I took a shot, you know, on, on Xavier Restrepo. Like I'm hoping it's him, but like we even saw last season outside of Rambo, like there was just nothing. And I realized new coaching staff, we, everything's new. Right. Um, but I still don't know how that's going to shake up. Um, so I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. That's just a complete unknown to me. I think, a lot of people are just taking dart throws at Miami receivers, hoping that they get the one that's going to catch the most passes. Um, but there's a lot of young wide receivers at Miami, right? Um, so I, I think that's my unknown right now. And someone that I'm selling, um, I think overall, I'm I'm just selling the idea of repeatedly drafting freshmen wide receivers just over and over and over and over again and loading up my entire c2c team with like freshman wide receivers knowing that like one or two of them might actually hit right i like uh, that i'm just out of that idea um i'd rather take a shot at a few good ones a few high quality ones and then after that i'm just taking guys that that have either already produced or could be in a system to produce um rather than just Oh, yep. Let me take the fourth four-star wide receiver going to Alabama. Let me take the fifth five-star wide receiver. Let me take the athlete, the three-star athlete going to LSU that might play wide receiver, right? Like, I'm just not doing it anymore. Um, so I'm just out on that idea. Shane, how about you? Oh, my, my buy. I know that uh, Felix kind of shit on South Carolina's offense, but I, I'm going to buy uh, Jaheim Bell, uh, the tight end for South Carolina. I think if there's one player on that offense, like Spencer Rattler is just going to, you know, check it down. I think, I think Bell, he's a little bit of a tweener, but I think he has NFL talent. He's so, so athletic and so good in the red zone. Like he's, he did some great things after the catch last year. So, so I'm in, he's cheap. He's in a lot of supplemental drafts. Like I'm going to draft him before everybody else. Um, my cell is a guy I actually like a lot. 
but I think is just getting too rich. And it's Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. Um, I, 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 look, I think he's great. I think the bowl game was phenomenal. But I, I do have a worry that the value is, especially in C2C, is just getting like super high with one game of production. I imagine he can live up to that. Um, but I, th- I think you could probably get, you could probably trade him for some like really good NFL receivers right now on, on, you know, on the NFL side. So I'm, I'm in for that. And then my unknown is, um, Cedric Tillman, the receiver from Tennessee, a couple things. Like, I feel like he should have good college production. Like his Tennessee offense should be good, but will it be good? Like, is he a good CTC target? I, I don't know. Like, I kind of like him, kind of hate him. I just don't know where to stand with him. Go ahead. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I was just jumping in there, you know, preemptively. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I'm buying Anthony Richardson, and I have been buying Anthony Richardson for a long time. I know that there are arbiters and gatekeepers of the elite and generational, but Anthony Richardson is absolutely a generational athlete, and he was that coming into Florida. And you saw him in the spring game. His mechanics look sound. He didn't look rushed. You're talking about a six foot four, 235 pound running, or excuse me, quarterback who has, he has some Derrick Henry in his game at quarterback. I mean, he, he, we saw him throw the ball 70 yards in the Elite 11 finals before he, he, before he uh, entered high school. And if he can put it together, he is going to be a future dynasty one on one pick. Anthony Richardson. So I'm buying Anthony Richardson, and I have. I am selling um, Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, his value has taken a little bit of a hit after last season, but still valued very high. This is not a player who's going to catch passes. He's a two-down thumper and tackle breaker who doesn't break enough tackles for me. He's not I – mean, runs kind of high. I haven't seen him have, you know, the the – I mean, Dominic Richardson is a player – that we talked about the last time I was on this show, and he's a player who runs through people. I don't see that enough for Kendall, the, the style of running that Kendall Milton has that he's you know expected to use to be successful. So, But he's going to have the backfield to himself this year at Georgia, so we're definitely going to see. And I didn't ha- – I, I, I forgot the unknown. Like I'm thinking Ty Simpson – um, Ty Simpson, the freshman quarterback there at Alabama, they're very much a dual threat. But after Bryce Young leaves, it's going to be a competition between Jalen Milrow, who's been in the seat in the system two years now, and Ty Simpson. So, you know, I think Simpson's a very good and exciting player. I love these kind of these guys who run around and make plays, but I don't see his path to. And Ty Simpson is a five-star player. Uh, Jalen Milrow is a four-star quarterback. But his path to playing time is not like easy, so um, I'll go. Yeah, I just yeah, I'll go unknown. Uh, I'll say Ty Simpson. Nelly, you're up. Yeah, well, first off, I'm all over Anthony Richardson 101 in the future. I love that. Love that, Felix. I love when I love when we we don't clash when we align there. Um, Okay, so my buys is a package deal here. It's two uh, two SEC guys stepping down to the AAC and, and Corey Kiner to Cincinnati and Kamar Wheaton to SMU. Now, these are guys who still potentially have NFL futures, but now they're going to be elite college fantasy football producers for years to come. 
because they're talented guys who are playing at a lower competition. You know, like they're not going up against Texas A&M and Georgia on a weekly basis. They're going up against South Florida and Temple, you know? So like that, that's the sort of edge that you can get um, when you can get guys that can do both at an elite level. I'm selling uh, the, the uh, Texas A&M running backs. Um, Devin McCain is an NFL back in the future, but he's too small to be a difference maker for fantasy football. And then the rest of the backfield is just an unknown. Like LJ Johnson, people love LJ Johnson, but he just hasn't done it in college. And there have been no good camp reports out. So like outside of that, I have no idea what's going on there, but none of it is particularly promising. Um, now my unknown is a guy who I'm excited about. I just need to see it more. And that's Eric Gilbert coming back at Georgia and balling out this spring. Um, you know, just super, super talented guy, top recruit. Um, and he's just an unknown for me because Brock Bowers is there and Stetson Bennett's still there. So like, that's a tough combination to put like good film out there. I love how you slyly like dissed Stetson Bennett at the same time <laughs> as like saying Brock Bowers is good. Like, I just like that. <laughs> he just won a national championship and you're like, ah, he's not good though. <laughs> I well, it. I mean, there's a reason why George Pickens and, and uh, Jermaine Burton underperformed. There are four tight ends deep there at Georgia. Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Oscar Delp, and Eric Gilbert are all future NFL players. It wasn't um, Darnell Washington, wasn't he the five-star athlete that could also play defensive line because he's like six nine or something. Yeah. Or left tackle. I mean, he's, he, could, <laughs> he could play left tackle. Yeah. Wasn't he like six nine two ninety? Like some crazy like stature. Yes, he is. He might be the biggest tight end in the country. Yeah, he's he definitely is huge. He looks like a giraffe out there, but like a bulky giraffe. I don't know. I heard Eric Gilbert's trying to out eat him, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the Kane Facel diet. That's what we call that. Um, but Felix, we just want to thank you so much for for hopping on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Um, feel free to take this time to let people know really all the tools that they can find at Campus to Ganton, and and really what what the website's designed to do and how that's designed to help people as they kind of might be trying this for the first time or have been in ten leagues. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that there's no one listening to this that doesn't know what a C2C or a Campus to Canton League is. But if you don't, it's essentially, you know, dynasty fantasy football that is extended into the college ranks. And you just play two leagues at one time. You have your college side and your NFL side. The um, the website is essentially designed to help you navigate these leagues. We have over 700 and. 70 players ranked, uh, I believe. And now I'm going to have to go look at this new Zach Evans to figure out where he belongs. Um, so you can find me at Sharp Reviews, Sharp with an E at the end on Twitter. Do you, do you want me to get my like address and cell phone number too? Or just, That's up to uh, you. Please, Twitter. yeah. Okay. That's up to you. So I've done that on Twitter. But um, um, yeah, and then campuscan.com. That's the website. So. 616-308-641. That's the phone number. All right, you can hit me up. <laughs> All right. Well, Felix, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Um, and to everyone listening, thank you so much. We appreciate every single 